0: Caribbean view on the corona sport crisis. Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm your host, Ed Hula. Today we'll be talking with one of the influential sports leaders in the Americas, Brian Lewis. He's president of the Trinidad and Tobago National Olympic Committee, and he's also a member of the leadership of the Continental Association, Pan Am Sports. He is president as well of the Caribbean Association of National Olympic Committees. Brian Lewis says even in his nation of 1.2 million, the specter of coronavirus is looming. The country is in lockdown, he says, and that includes the dozen and a half athletes who were making plans to compete this July at the Tokyo Olympics, now of course postponed. Lewis joins us by phone from his home in Port of Spain in this Conversation we recorded March thirty first, he says new restrictions enacted this week are now making it even more difficult for elite level athletes to train as a result of the coronavirus medical crisis.
1: It has significantly and tremendously impacted sports in the country. Sports like everywhere else in, in the country in, in the, the world, sport has basically shut down. And you can't train, you can't exercise outdoors. Gyms are closed, so it's it's just hugely disruptive.
0: There's no, and there's no cricket. There's no football. There's no sport of any kind.
1: There's nothing going on. No sport of any kind taking place, other than what you can do indoors and then so with, with with physical distancing. Um, it, it's a very difficult time, but. At the end of the day, you know we we the encouraging people to to stay at home because we have to beat this. And uh, COVID-19 is, is 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 nothing. You know it it it's terrible. A lot of a lot of people haven't experienced something like this in their lifetime. Um, this is probably the biggest challenge, the biggest crisis, the world global crisis the world is facing since World War too most certainly in terms of sport it's uh the most disruptive in peacetime history so and 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 there's no differentiation it it's covid-19 does not uh there's no bias there's no prejudice it's all over the world every country regardless it's 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 significant it's hugely dis- disruptive it has, it has dire economic consequences. Um, you know, it's, it's nothing. It, it, it's not normal. This is not normal times.
0: And certainly not normal given the Tokyo Olympics coming what once were four months away. Now they're 16 months away with the decision to delay the, the, the Olympic Games in Tokyo by one year. Uh, what do you think of the IOC decision to postpone?
1: It was necessary, um, you know, as, as early as, as, as the first teleconference on the 17th of March, um, I had communicated our grave concerns about the impact of COVID-19, and the, you know, we had we had, had proposed whether there was a possibility of of considering a rescheduled October 2020. At that point, based on World Health Organization guidelines unadvised the i o c did not um were the of the view that they did not need to make a, a a drastic decision at that point in time and uh with the acceleration of the covid nineteen pandemic across the world world health Organization had changed that advice and the i o c acted accordingly this is on the twenty second of march so the decision to postpone was one I foresaw, you know, it it it, and it raised the possibility, both in the question that you were supposed to send in advance um, to have the 17th of March teleconference. So it wasn't it was needed. It wasn't it was important. This is a life and death situation. We couldn't continue to operate as if it was business as usual at least been significantly disrupted, qualify has been disrupted. So it was a decision that needed to be made and I, I'm glad it was made at the point that it was.
0: What does it mean now for uh preparations for your Olympians for Tokyo twenty twenty? An extra year of preparation, is that a good thing? Is that you know a bad thing? You know, how will that be can that be turned into a positive for athletes of T and T?
1: Right. Well, I had I I had I had hoped that it would be, um. And I mean, once the October date wasn't on because of it had to be, be beyond twenty twenty, but not after summer twenty twenty one. Um, I had hoped you know it would have been. I mean, October went out the window, so I would have hoped, and I did make that point again. at the twenty seventh of March teleconference that um. April, because the concerns for the heat and humidity and the fact that because of climate control, the trend in terms of temperatures were going up. It is not likely to go down so that July, August was was hot and humid and not ideal from an athlete welfare and athlete well-being perspective. But having said that, I understand fully the commercial and other realities but I just had hope that from a perspective of the athlete, welfare, and, 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 and health, that given that we had a second bite of the cherry, that we could have looked at April, um, that didn't pan out. So it's now July, August 2021. And uh, we, I do have strong concerns and grave concerns about the, the impact of the heat and humidity and um but it is what it is. Um in terms of the preparation, it it works for some athletes and it won't work for some. Um, whether there are some athletes who whether because of age, loss of form injury, a year later they would have been they were ready well on on, on, on the way to peaking and ready for July twenty. 20, July, August 2020. The pushback of a year may not work for some athletes. It will work for some. I'm hoping that in the case of Trinidad and Tobago, the younger athletes who may have been on the cusp or who are on the, are on the fringes, that they will now step up to the plate and, and use the opportunity of the additional year, whether it may be because of physical or emotional, emotional and mental maturity that they may now now be in a better place in a year's time. Um, You know, for the athletes who have already qualified, why it is good that they remain qualified. So like in our case, we have Dylan Carter, swimmer. We have Andrew Lewis, the sailor. We have three cyclists, Nicholas Paul, Kwesi Brown, and uh, for the first time ever, a female cyclist, Neil Campbell. While they have they remain qualified, it means that, you know, they have to adjust and reset and and do it for another year. Um, You know, I think what people don't realize and underplay is that for many of the athletes who are essentially young people, um, they put their lives on a whole in pursuit of the Olympic dream. And some of them sacrifice all their lives. Some of them sacrifice twelve years, eight years. And there are a lot of life decisions that they put on hold. Whether it is getting married, having a baby, having children, whether it is starting a business or pursuing a career or going to study, whether it met you no, know, some other thing. They put these decisions on hold. And uh, so, while did it change? on the surface, may, may sound great. It has impacts, impact on the athletes, not necessarily to do with sports and physical. So, And then these things have a knock-on effect in terms of mental health and mental well-being. Um, so, you know, there are a number of, of, of challenges and concerns I know for sure they train the China out a big Olympic committee and I myself from an athlete welfare and well-being perspective that we are addressing. And it's not just the ability to train or not train. It is the financial fallout for a lot of the Olympic athletes, especially in a, in a sport like track and field, where they're shutting down internationally. There's no income. There's no income because a lot of the athletes depend on appearances, Performance bonuses, etc. Um, so there are, there are financial consideration, and as I said, there, you know, working through within the emotional and mental up and down by providing the necessary support. So it's not just the International Olympic Committee and the big international federations who have to juggle, you know, the commercial aspects, and they have hundreds of contracts to renegotiate. Um, you know, it's just not solely about commercial and, and economic aspects there are there are some actual individual life aspects that may even be more negatively neck but may more negatively impact on the individual athletes
0: we're talking with brian lewis who is president of the trinidad and tobago noc about what's happening with the postponement of the olympic games what it means for the NOC of Trinidad and Tobago, are the athletes able to get the well the mental health services that you're uh, referencing? They may need the kind of encouragement and support. Um, does the government help out with that? Is the NOC in a position to be able to deliver, to deliver those kinds of services?
1: Yeah, the Trinidad and Tobago Olympic Committee. One of the things I would have established when I became president in 2013 was a was an athlete welfare and preparation fund and uh, a, a position, a project officer specifically to deal with athlete services and programs and welfare issues. Um, the Athlete Welfare and Preparation Fund, which is called the 10, 10 or more Olympic gold medals by the year 2024, um, Athlete Welfare and Preparation Fund. We do, we do various fundraising, whether it is a marathon walk, whether it is a fundraising Events, merchandise sales, and we have very good, strong support from corporate Trinidad and Tobago. So that 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 fund um, is, is we will we will have to tap into that fund on a case by case basis to provide the support that our athletes may need. We are working with um, mental health experts and uh, psychologists to address some of those issues. So the answer the short answer to that is yes, to train and to be gold of the big committee. We have that as a priority. When we say that we are athlete centered, you know, we we don't just pay lip service to it. we walk our talk.
0: Your job includes leadership of the Caribbean Games Association. The Caribbean NOC Association. Yeah, the, um yeah. you're making plans for Caribbean games what does the change in schedule for the Olympics, uh, what kind of effect does that have on your plans for uh, upcoming Caribbean games?
1: So when you say, let me just say, when you say job, you know, I, I always joke with, whether no matter who it is, and they tell me, you know, you have a tough job or you have a job. I say it's a voluntary position. Um, I have my businesses, small businesses that we run, family business, but, you know, I'm able to, to give and volunteer to support the youth and young people of, of in, in, in Trinidad and Tobago in fulfilling their dreams and aspirations to excel at that the world of sport, in particular the Olympics and to pursue their goal of becoming an Olympic champion. Um yeah I also wear the, the hat of president of the Caribbean Association of National Olympic Committees and here we have um the Caribbean Games, which is scheduled for 2021. But at this point in time, both the, the Caribbean Association of National Olympic Committees and the hosts for that game, Guadalupe, Um, you know, we haven't gotten to our point yet. The announcement was just made a couple of days ago. So it, it, we haven't discussed it fully yet. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's going to be interesting to see how that pan out. Um, we also have the junior Pan Am Games, you know, the inaugural junior Pan Am Games with uh, Pan Am Sports. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. And in the context of Trinidad and Tobago, we, we, we are due to host wearing the Trinidad and Tobago Olympic Committee, wearing the Trinidad and Tobago Commonwealth Games Association hat. We are down to host um, the Commonwealth Youth Games from the 1st to the 7th of August, 2021. But I think that the Commonwealth Youth Games is still in in a better position than the Caribbean Games and the Junior Pan Am Games, specifically because of the age group, 14 to 18. So I see where it can can really work as a complement to the Olympic Games and we use the opportunity to create greater fans and spectator interests. Um for the Commonwealth Games, and and post-COVID-19, it's going to come at a very important time for the economy of Trinidad and Tobago because the potential arrivals of of, near 2,000 people is going to provide a significant and needed economic boost to the Trinidad and Tobago tourism, hospitality, and airline sector. So you know, I, I'm I'm saying that to say that the Commonwealth Games, is, 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 I think, is better positioned to weather the and and embrace the opportunities of the postponement of the um, the the Tokyo 2020 game.
0: We're talking with Brian Lewis, President of Trinidad and Tobago National Olympic Committee, here on this edition of Around the Rings Radio. I'm Ed Hula. Uh, Brian Lewis, there's certainly a, a financial impact that is going to come out of this postponement, out of these changes uh, for, the, for the NOCs, uh, which depend in part on money from uh, the Olympic Games. Have you gotten any indication from the IOC or the Association of National Olympic Committees, Olympic Solidarity, about any financial impacts you have to be ready for? that uh, may result from this postponement?
1: Well, the real communication is uh, with the IOC. Um, as I said, we had a, a teleconference with uh, President Bach and senior members of the IOC on the 17th of March, on the 27th of March. Um, you know, I must say that it, it's... I really give credit to the President Bach and the IOC because this is the first time um, that the National Olympic Committees have had an opportunity to have... One, discussions and, 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 and conversation and express views and opinions with President Bach and the IOC and I mean I'm immensely grateful and appreciative for that because what it has done is that it has given smaller national Olympic committees who would normally feel that we don't have a voice because it's all about the big countries and the big NOCs and it has given smaller national Olympic committees and by extension they are at least an opportunity. The voice, views, and concerns, and opinions directly with President Bach and the IOC, um, you know. So, so that's something that is a big plus coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, and is something I hope will continue. Um, so, on the 27th of March, um, both President, well, President Bach, Peromiro, and James McLeod gave the assurances that some of the issues that will arise because of the postponement. NOCs will be able to deal directly with Olympic solidarity on it. Um, they, they indicated that, for example, the programs, for example, the athlete support programs for Tokyo 2020 and the team support programs for Tokyo 2020 will be extended. Um, so that's that's a huge positive. And, um, you know, I, I am assured, both as the president of the Trinidad and Tobago Olympic Committee and the president of the Caribbean Association of National Olympic Committees, that um, these, the IOC will honor these assurances and commitments.
0: How about the government? Are they supportive, sympathetic to the needs of, uh, of uh, TNT sport? Do you get the help you need from the government?
1: Well, the government, have, the government of Trinidad and Tobago, and the minister, the Ministry of Sport and Minister of Sport and Youth Affairs, Sham um, Kujio, in this case, have been extremely supportive of sport in general, and um, you know the Trinidad and Tobago Olympic Committee does not is, is not one of the national sporting organisations that depend on government for its administrative support. What we will do is send in a subvention request on the occasion of games upcoming. Um, and also, we have recently started sending support because we currently act as the de facto NADO, National Anti-Doping Organization, um, for, for anti-doping support so that the government continues to be supportive. They have they have committed and are supporting the Commonwealth Youth Game. But at this point in time, given the challenges the country and all countries are facing in terms of COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic. The government focus is on fighting COVID-19 and all economic resources are are being, majority being channeled in that direction. So I I assume and I expect when the dust is settled and we have gone past COVID-19, the worst and the storm has passed that the government will continue their commitment to sport and supporting sport in, in Trinidad and Tobago. But that's does not mean to say that sporting organizations and sport, not just in Trinidad and Tobago, but in the Caribbean, will 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 face significant challenges going forward in the in the sense of the the world is not it's not going to be the same world that we're going to inhabit post COVID nineteen. And that organizations, sporting organizations, NOCs that don't transform their governance and don't transform their marketing, how they approach marketing will face significant problems.
0: Yeah, we're talking about challenges there, but on the on the flip side, is there any is there a positive impact or a positive direction that may result for sport as a result of dealing with this crisis? With these challenges, how can sport be better? How can sport be changed for the future in a different, in a more positive way?
1: I think that yes, there are significant opportunities, and and I really would want the sporting world, the NOCs of the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago, the NOCs of Pan Am Sports, all the NOCs, even the IOC, to embrace the new perspectives new opportunities that have been that have been created by COVID nineteen. For example, I just said in terms of governance, the fact that the IOC actually went out and, and reached out via technology to two hundred and six National Olympic committees, thirty three international federations and over two hundred athletes via the Athlete Commission. It 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 shows that that is unprecedented and and it shows the other national olympic committees and the continental organization that the governance structure has to change that in the new the new environment it's about inclusion it's about it's about bringing all your stakeholders into the consultation and decision-making process. I think that that's a huge positive. Um, in terms of, as I said further, the use of technology, I think what has come out of, of, of the COVID-19 is the world may have taken sport for granted. They may have taken as just, you know, the... the Sport administrators hype, hyping up the importance of sport, but I think that as we have seen with sport around the world essentially shutting down, you know, there is a saying here in the islands: "You never miss the water till the well runs dry." I think that it is an opportunity for the IOC, all the international federations, the national federations, the NOCs, to build on this to further deepen the relationship and the engagement with the public in terms of their sport. Sport has an important role to play, um, and that has been shown by COVID-19. What is, however, also shown, so it's a bit of a paradox, that sport is not as important as life or death, and that as difficult as it may be, the world can go on without sport for a time. And I think that is also an important wake-up call because a lot of sport federations and sports administrators and sport leaders have become very self-important with an over-inflated sense of, of importance. At the end of the day, What COVID-19 has shown is sport is still sport. But inside of that, I'm saying, is a significant opportunity. Um, I think that what has happened too is that because of the whole discussions about the games, sport, people missing sport, there is also a significant opportunity to engage youth and young people more. And I would like to see sporting organizations and, and sport leaders and, and all of that, you know, deep man and develop programs to really reach out and not just pay lip service.
0: Very good. Brian Lewis, uh, some powerful, powerful perspectives there. Um, best wishes to, to you, your family, your colleagues there in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, it's, uh, it's a difficult time for everybody, but as you say, maybe there'll be some humility, some, uh, some new ways of thinking about sport that uh, emerges yes. from all of this.
1: I, I sincerely hope so. I, I, I really hope that we don't waste the opportunity and that when the storm passes, we go back to how, how business was before, how we operated, the habits. As I said, you know, it's important not to to waste the opportunities that COVID-19 would have provided. I extend to you and your family and all that around the rings the best wishes and by extension all around the world, people who listen to your podcast. You know, this is a huge challenge, but, um, you know, I believe that we can all we can beat COVID-19 We have to remain positive. We have to remain strong. We have to remain resilient. We have to remain indomitable. And we will overcome. We will survive COVID-19.
0: Our guest on this edition of Around the Rings Radio has been Brian Lewis, president of the Trinidad and Tobago National Olympic Committee. He spoke with us by phone from his home in Port of Spain on March 31st. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Around the Rings Radio as we take the time to talk about the important questions and issues ahead for the Olympics and world sport. Let us know what you think and who you'd like to hear from in future Around the Rings Radio podcasts. Send us a note to comment at aroundtherings.com. Once again, that's comment, C-O-M-M-E-N-T, at aroundtherings.com. This has been your host, Ed Hula. For more than 25 years, your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.